Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. Yo, it is the return of this week in fantasy episode one for the 2018 season. I am James Seltzer. Super fired up to be back talking fantasy football with you lovely people, the lovely listeners of This Week in Fantasy. And it is my distinct pleasure. I have literally been looking forward to this moment since December of last year, the last time we spoke. Uh, It is, uh, again, a pleasure. It's like we're just talking. We, We were supposed to start recording this podcast 10 minutes ago, but we've been talking and just catching up and having the best time, and it feels like we have not stopped talking for that whole time. So uh, a pleasure to have back in our lives, Mr. Sigmund Bloom. Sigmund, what's going on, brother? Oh, it's good to be back. And a lot has happened for you and your listeners. I know it was a pretty eventful playoff season for the Eagles, which was wonderful. And uh, let me toast the Eagles because everything the Eagles represented are the things we want to come out on top in the NFL. And I don't know that we would have always said that about the Eagles, but I was a huge Eagles fan in the eighties when the Steelers were down and it is good to catch up. And I think it embodies how for a lot of us, uh, football is about our relationships. Fantasy football is about relationships. And while maybe we get a little too obsessed with football, it, it gets that circulation. We get out in circulation and, and we renew acquaintances. Uh, it's good to renew all the acquaintances. I totally agree. And and a great point about the Eagles. I've said it a bunch of times, but obviously it's exciting to just see them win and, and all, you know, our listeners and everything when we've been it's been an amazing ride. But it's also a bunch of good guys on the team too, which you don't always love, get to have. So love. Love really bound that team. And also being bold and embracing the joy of winning more than the fear of losing. It's a great way to put it. And uh it is. Uh, it's great to have you back. It's great to hear uh, uh, the voice, uh, Sigmund. Uh, just remind everyone for for new listeners and people who sure. haven't caught up. Obviously, at Sigmund Bloom on Twitter. But where else can everyone find you? 
Yeah, footballguys.com and the Audible. We do eight episodes a week during the season. Uh, we ha- went through at the beginning of training camp our preseason watch list where we do a preview episode for each team. I'm doing on the couch two or three episodes a week now as we go through August to touch base with all my favorite people. I just had Warren Sharp on. He's doing fantastic work. And uh, with football guys, we just if you're obsessed with football and fantasy football, then – You'll find something for you at Football Guys. Yeah, it's a pretty good pitch because I think this audience is. And then uh, definitely check out the Audible. Uh, Cecil, Lammy, and Sigmund have been doing it forever, and they are uh, they are terrific together and all that. So, uh, Sigmund, let's dive in. Let's uh, let's get to what people came for. Some fantasy football advice. We're starting to really get into the heart of draft season. Obviously, I think a lot of people hope to draft closer to the season, but certainly people drafts coming up. So, so let's start with this. Uh, a very simple question off the top. But what would you say to me if I had a draft this weekend and I had done nothing? Ooh, um, I would say that rookie running backs are actually looking to be less sensual after what we've watched and, and learned about them in the first month or so, three weeks the NFL's been back. Um, I would say that uh, Doug Baldwin has a mystery injury that is scaring us. I would say that Rashard Matthews has a mystery injury that is scaring us. So be very wary of those players. Um, you know, I, I, because I've been paying so close attention to everything in the training camp in the preseason, it feels like a lot of things have changed. But really in the big picture, um, not a lot has changed. Big overview strategy stuff right now. Quarterback is – stop me if you've heard this before – Quarterback is deeper this year than it's ever been. <laughs> you can wait, unless you're in a two-quarterback Superflex league. But even in those two-quarterback Superflex leagues, you can wait longer than you're used to. Running back is as top-heavy as we've ever seen. I would almost go back to those of you that have been playing fantasy football for 15, 20 years, whenever every, the first round was just a running back round. This is why we have PPR scoring now, because drafts were so running back heavy at the beginning that it took a lot of strategy layers out of your fantasy draft. And now the pendulum has swung all the way back so that passing offenses are so prolific. This is part of why quarterbacks are so deep, but also wide receivers. Uh, there's so many more wide receivers to pick from. And teams are getting better at car, uh, harvesting the value of matchups each week. So each week might be a different wide receiver. So that's becoming something that makes running back at the beginning of your draft more important. I would almost say you have to take a running back in the first round this year because wide receiver is so deep. And my one personal tip would be get Rob Gronkowski on your team this year. He's get, you can get him in the second round, which is usually uh, around cheaper than what he costs. And if the Patriots are still going to be the Patriots this year, he's probably going to catch 100 passes, and that's going to be why they're still the Patriots. And uh, I would add on to that. Go to footballguys.com and sign up and you will be fine. And just spend the next few days diving in there. Or just even get the draft dominator, Google Play or the Apple uh, app store and you'll be fine. All right. Uh, You actually addressed a few things I want to get into, as you always do. Perfect. Same wavelength. We're going to get into the Saquon hype in a little bit. You did mention the rookie running backs, but I want to start at the top of the board because you hit on that. I do agree with you. I think running back, especially that high-end level running back, is so crucial this year because once you get out of the first, really the first round and a half, you're looking at guys like Jarek McKinnon and whatnot. It really drops off, and I like Jarek McKinnon, but comparatively to what's at the top of the draft, there's no question. So let, let's start with the very top of the draft. How do you parse between Lev Bell, Todd Gurley, David yeah. Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott? And I'm assuming you would take any of those four over Antonio Brown, even with the safety? Yes. And 
it's because these are your true foundation backs, uh, and they're proven. Uh, I see no reason to move Todd Gurley from the number one spot. He's in the same situation as last year. It may get even a little better with Brandon Cooks uh, in the place of Sammy Watkins and Jared Goff and the system all settling in year two. I would put David Johnson second. I'm not going to go to the mat with you if you want to put Le'Veon Bell second. I would put David Johnson second simply because the last time we saw David Johnson in 2016, he actually outproduced Todd Gurley's 2017. Now, this offense isn't as good as the 2016 Arizona offense, but he's still going to – he may catch 100 balls this year. He may be among the league leaders in receptions as a running back. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's holding out. He'll play, but I, also the Steelers have James Conner and Jalen Samuels maybe to – do a little bit more of the work off. I mean, we're splitting hairs, but that's what we do when we're choosing between the second and third overall pick. And then Elliott fourth, and I would say Elliott fourth simply because, uh, number one, the Dallas offense, I I think, will be underwhelming. I think the pass offense looks eminently stoppable this year. Yeah. And and that's going to lead... Hasn't started well. No, it's going to look... It's going to have fewer touchdown drives, fewer uh, ball control games than they've had in the past. And even though all signs point to and all rational coaching points to Ezekiel Elliott finally catching 60 or 70 balls, he's capable of it and he adds enough value that they should be doing it, but they should have been doing it all along. So I'm wary of that. Uh, But as you indicated, the real fork in the road comes after that, uh, with Antonio Brown fifth, and then you get into sorting out that next tier of running backs. Well, let's do that. And, and let, let's start. Obviously, I think most people have Saquon Barkley as that next running back. You see guys like Kareem Hunt there, Dalvin Cook, a few other names up top. Let's start with Saquon because you made that comment before about the rookie running backs, but he does seem to be a bit of an anomaly comparative to the rest of the rookie running backs this year. Uh, does your rookie running back kind of fears apply to Saquon Barkley, or is he in a different class? Well, he is in a different class, but I wouldn't take him uh, as higher than, say, the ninth or tenth running back off the board, which means I'm not going to take him. Mm, in that's interesting. Drafts. That's Yeah, because he's generally going after— He's you know, going in the mid-first yeah, round. He's it's, going yeah, the, it's Alvin Kamara or Barkley. Yeah, Kamara. That was the other back. name I, I meant to mention. Yeah, and and—, and it's scoring, you know, maybe in a .5 PPR or non-PPR league, maybe Kamara drops a little bit. But my my main hesitation is this. Um, I don't know how much I trust uh, Pat Shermer, Mike Shula, Eli Manning to get everything lined up in this offense the way it could if they can really harness the talents of Barkley and Engram, although I am pleased to hear that Engram's been lining up more as an outside receiver. They're keeping him involved in the offense in any way they can. Uh, Shepard and and Beckham. And I I just don't know if it's going to click. I have a little bit of worries about Jonathan Stewart being used more than sparingly. And we, we do have with Saquon Barkley, even in that first preseason game, you saw how physically special he is and how he understands how to wield that and turn that into big plays. But also he's used to being so superior to every other athlete on the field that he wants to take things outside. He wants to rely on his physical gifts instead of being a more disciplined runner. And I think there's a, a growth segment to his career that's going to happen. And I, I still, I, I would still happily take him in the early second round. He's just not going to be there. So I'm not saying he's trash and, and it's going to be a bust, but I would prefer Melvin Gordon. I would prefer Leonard Fournette. As long as the Vikings 
offensive line doesn't implode. I, I prefer Dalvin Cook at this point because I think they're already past that ironing out part of their career. All right, let's take uh, Kamara out of the discussion because I think uh, you're definitely right. He's that clear. Him and Saquon have been taken in that range, but for me, Kamara, that clear fifth guy after those top four. Of that next group, the Melvin Gordons, like you mentioned, Kareem Hunt, Dalvin Cook, whoever, who of that group in your mind has the best chance to finish the year as the number one running back? Gordon. And I am grappling with moving Gordon ahead of Kamara, although Kamara was so good on a per-touch basis, and he's in an offense and in a situation that does that routinely, sets players up for success. And Ingram uh, suspended th- for the first four games. First four games, there. yeah. And, there, and, and Kamara was not that involved in the first three, four games last year and also had a game where he left early with a concussion. So if you're looking at his numbers on a per-game basis last year, it's a little bit deceptive based on expe- to base expectations this year on that. Um, but Melvin Gordon should be used close to the usage of Elliott at Bell Johnson. I think you're going to see Gordon hit career highs as long as his body allows him to hit career highs and touches Hunter Henry being out for the season. That feels like forever ago. It does, uh, doesn't it? Yeah, that frees up touchdowns. Uh, I think Gordon and maybe Mike Williams are, are first in line to get those extra touchdowns. Um, and it's just, we may look at him as someone that should have been in that top five as long as his body allows him to. Okay. Uh, same question, but moving back and taking all yep. positions into account, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, that range, who going in that range do you think has a chance to end up as, you know, the number one or let's say a top five fantasy player this season? Well, Rob Gronkowski sometimes is falling to the third round, so that that's easy, you know. Uh, I don't know about top five, but I think Alex Collins is being overlooked. And maybe it's just because he was cut last year. You know, maybe it's because he doesn't have this incredible draft pedigree. But he, over a large sample size last year, was tremendous for Baltimore. He came on as a receiver. They have Marshall Yanda back, who arguably is the best guard or one of the best guards in the game. Joe Flacco is as healthy as he has been in three years. He's motivated. Uh, the receiving core should be better as long as, um, knock on wood, I really want to see Smokey Browns. I'd love watching that dude play. Mm-hmm. And, and Michael Crabtree and Willie Sneed. And this is going to be a better offense than the offense last year when Alex Collins was one of the bright, shining pieces of otherwise dim offense so this is also a highly productive backfield when you just look at the total production Collins is going to get the biggest piece of that so I see him going in the fourth round I think he belongs in the second round and I'm taking him everywhere I can get him yeah he passed the eye test too I I watched what seemed like an inordinate amount of Ravens games last year and he just he's he's good like he looks like a good running back yeah he runs runs with yes he runs runs like every carry his whole career is on every carry every time he touches it's like a Chris Ivory but faster (laughs) Exactly. uh, I really like that comparison. Um, All right. Kind of leads into my next question is you're taking someone lower down and should be up. Let's go through the the four main positions here. And I want you to give me someone who you're higher on than the consensus and someone who you're lower on than the consensus starting at quarterback. Okay. I'll I'll start with um, Alex Smith as higher. And for me, this is pretty simple. I mean, he was a top five quarterback last year. I know he's changing teams, but I think he's in a system that's actually better for him 
than the system that he left as far as truly harnessing his talents, putting him on the move, more high percentage throws. Uh, Washington's been a very productive offense. And I look at Andy Dalton and Kirk Cousins, quarterbacks that have been low-end quarterback ones in fantasy leagues, in this Jay Gruden-style offense, where the really it isn't about adding value to plays with your abilities, but it's just about executing the play true to the way it's drawn up. Alex Smith excels at that, but Alex Smith has more to offer than Kirk Cousins or Andy Dalton. So it just seems to me like he would be as good or better as a fantasy quarterback. Uh, lower than the consensus, I would probably say Jimmy Garoppolo. And I get it, you know, what he did to Jacksonville, and he's getting back Pierre Garçon and actually has a full offseason to learn the offense. But he's still going in the top 10 or 12 quarterbacks, and I don't think it's worth it to spend a pick that high on a quarterback unless you see someone with top five upside. Andrew Luck, Alex Smith, maybe Ben Roethlisberger who was the, the number one quarterback in the second half of the year. Carson year. Wentz. Carson Wentz. And, you know, I almost said Carson Wentz is someone that I'm lower on the consensus, and but I don't want to speak to an audience that's going to know probably even more specifics about this than I do. But I just think that the long view here, they're not going to rush Carson Wentz back. And when I hear Carson Wentz open any possibility that he's not going to be ready for week one, then I don't think he's going to play week one. I mean, if, if it's... If it's even 70-30 to play Wentz, why would you play him? And then once he's back out there, I think you re- you're reeling him in a little bit just because he, the, of the timing of that injury, he's he may feel good enough to play, but he's not going to feel good enough to truly play his game at least a few games into the season. Sure. So I would probably avoid – I see Carson Wentz going as about the sixth quarterback off the board right now, and I probably would not take him there simply because you're going to have to take another quarterback to begin with, Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles has a great start to the season schedule-wise, but you have to take a second quarterback even though you're spending a high pick on a quarterback. And then Wentz, for the first three or four games he's playing, might make us feel unsure of when it's time to put him back in our lineup. Yeah, I think that's fair. I do think the upside, obviously, as we saw last season, if he comes back, and and obviously all the signs have been great. I'm with you. If I had to bet my life, I'd bet my life he's not playing week one. But I also, I, I, it's really close for me. I think it's like 51-49. Like, it's, it's really close. So I, I think there's a real chance he does play week one. But I think fair points when you're parsing hairs between those guys. Uh, running back, who are you higher on and who are you lower on? I, I can't quit Marshawn Lynch. I just can't. <laughs> I mean, and for me, some of it is uh, John Gruden seems like simple minded in a good way enough to get everything he can get out of Lynch. He's got that interior offensive line that is fantastic that I think he's going to get more out of than the Raiders did last year. You saw Lynch's one carry that he looked like 24 year old Marshawn Lynch. And it was the preseason, but I have no worries about him. And I still think fantasy football is about taking players you like and getting excited when they're excited. Yes. And, and Marshawn Lynch, in a similar situation for the Raiders last year, was going in the route the third round this, uh, this time last year. You can get him in the seventh round now. Uh, somebody that people are higher on. And I think that the, the hive mind is catching up here. But uh, Rashad Penny... I don't care that Seattle spent a first-round pick on him. Mm-hmm. Chris Carson has been fantastic. That's not puffery. That's not pre-camp, pre-season hype. 
It's going to be a committee, and it's going to be a committee in a backfield that had the worst production of any team in the league last year. And Mike Solari maybe can be a, a miracle worker, but the offensive line is still not one of the best in the league. I would Defense, say one of the worst, even. Still. Yeah, sure. And I, 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 I wish I could remember who coined this, but instead of the Legion of Boom, we've got the Legion of Whom. It's <laughs> pretty good. And I, I just don't see Seattle set up for big success in the running game. So I don't want to spend a fifth round pick, a fourth round pick even on a share of a backfield. And, uh, you know, Rashad Penny now is be, now he's going to be out for um, a month or so with that broken finger. His ADP is going to get closer to where it should be, but still not to where it should be. I totally agree with you. I, I've been shocked at the Rashad Penny hype thinking that, He's just going to, and he was even like, he taken the first round, but he wasn't a consensus first round pick. He was someone a lot of people thought he might go in the mid second. Um, so I'm with you there, especially the way Carson's looked so far. And again, especially with that way, Russell Wilson is that team's offense. We've seen it the last couple of years. I think that continues this year. Uh, a wide receiver, higher and lower. Oh, there's so many wide receivers. Um, there's so many wide receivers I'm higher on than that. <laughs> consensus so it's it's difficult it's like asking me to choose between my children here um i'm gonna say right now just as low-hanging fruit for everybody and this is starting to seep out into the mass consciousness too that marquise goodwin is the number one receiver for san francisco he and jimmy garoppolo have the chemistry already garoppolo and garcon are trying to work out the chemistry we know the history of number one receivers in kyle shanahan's offenses we know that this team committed to goodwin long term and he should be the first 49ers uh, receiver off the board and also maybe in the top 20 uh even though he's going well well after that uh as far as a receiver i'm probably cooler on than the consensus i'd say it's golden tate and marvin jones just because i think detroit is going to turn into a 1a 1b 1c kind of offense or with kenny galladay healthy and in his second year so i would expect them to have roughly the same value over the course of the year and if I'm going to take someone from that wide receiver group, I'm going to take the cheapest, and that's easily Galladay. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point there. I think Tate may be a little more value in, in PPR leagues, I suppose, but I'm with you. I, I think uh, those guys are both going too high. All right, uh, let's finish out on tight end. Obviously, we've already heard uh, you're higher on Gronk than, than most, but um, outside of Gronk, who are you higher on and then who are you lower on? Well, I'll give a little note here to – Jordan Reed because he hasn't gotten hurt yet. Hey, uh, yeah, he's a lot. He probably than he will by the time I post this podcast. Yeah, by the time right? this is posted, exactly. <laughs> but you know, he had a surgery to fix up his toes that were giving him problems. So that's part of the narrative that things will go better. He's still going to be foundational. He meshes so well with Alex Smith, so so well with Alex Smith. Um, I, I would definitely be taking a longer look at, and I, I if we were to go deeper. And I want to hear your thoughts on this, James. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be taking a look at Dallas Godert. I Ooh. really think that... Look, I mean, good organization. They don't care about the rules of how much you're supposed to use a rookie tight end. They see what he can do. They've been using him the way that they know will work, which is in the red zone. He could easily have a season similar to Jimmy Graham's season last year where he's around the 8 or 10 touchdown range. Run plays that work. Throwing to Dallas Godert in the red zone is going to work. Throwing to Dallas Godert in two tight end sets is going to work. Uh, as far as the tight end that I stay away from, I'd say... On that note, Zach Ertz. Now, Zach Ertz levels off around 75, 80 catches, 800 or so yards, four or five touchdowns. And then last year, with the 
Philly pass offense really surging. He gets up to, what, eight touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he jumps up a tier in the rankings. But with Dallas Godert, I don't think that he's going to – that touchdown spike is going to persist. And I just wouldn't pay a premium for Zach Ertz, and that's what you have to pay to get him right now. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And, and for what it's worth – you are dead on about Dallas Goddard. He has been the talk of Eagles training camp. Um, people, uh, we just had Chio Capadia on the midday show today on WIP, a great writer for The Athletic, and they asked him for his biggest takeaway from training camp, and he said, Dallas Goddard is NFL ready right now. That dude is ready to contribute. And that's what we've seen a lot of, the red zone stuff. And um, I also think that with the injury to Alshon Jeffrey, maybe not ready to start the season, I, I do think you see more 12 personnel. I think they're going to use Goddard okay. more. So, so I'm going to take – I'm grabbing the wheel. I don't want to make this, this turn into our, like our hour-long show. But since <laughs> I, I'm in since for I've it. I've got you because, because we've got Ian Rappaport saying Alshon Jeffrey should be uh, – could stay on pup to – begin the season mm-hmm. we got doug peterson saying i don't know where that came from but he didn't exactly <laughs> deny it he didn't just foreclose and say impossible we had the latest report that he was in still the strength part of his rehab so to everybody else out there since you're so close to the situation what could what can you add or is there anything to add yeah it's a great um it's a really interesting situation and i love the doug peterson ian rapaport feud that is now mm-hmm. uh, is going if you remember last season um, Rappaport reported that that uh, Peterson was considering starting Nate Sudfeld over Foles, and then Peterson called him out, and he had to you know print a retra- or put a retraction out on Twitter and all that. So uh, it's a couple times that Doug's got a little testy with a rap sheet uh, tweet or whatever. But um, I, look, I also think that rap sheet has good sources, and I don't think it came from completely nowhere. But at the same time, I, I think that I, I think that I, he's not going to be ready to start the season if I had to bet money on it, but. I also don't think it's going to be something where it's going to be worth putting him on the pup list. If I had to guess, my guess, from everything you hear and how he's progressing, he might miss the first couple weeks of the season and then be ready to go, maybe three max. I don't think it's going to be something where it's going to be beneficial for them to take him off the radar for the first six weeks of the season. So if I had to guess, I don't think he's going to be on the pup list. But I also really would not count on him being ready for week one. Right, right down the middle. Yeah. You like, can't let's use him put in your this fantasy way. lineup let's put for the, the first three or four weeks. Exactly. And let's put it this way. I would I would bet on Carson Wentz being ready for week one before I would bet on Alshon Jeffrey being ready for week one. There it is. I, I, can I quote you on that? Yeah, absolutely. Please. Um, so yeah, I, I love that. I love he's grabbing the wheel. This is a beautiful thing. Maybe and coming up inside the minus Sigmund Bloom, maybe we'll uh, at right. a couple times this season you'll flip it around on me like you did last time. Um, all right, I want to ask you a couple more before we get to inside this uh, the mine. Uh, just a couple general questions. One, pretty easy. How, how much uh, how much of a difference do you add to valuing quarterbacks in leagues that use six point passing touchdowns as opposed to four point passing touchdowns? I've seen a lot of people really overrate them. And in other cases, I've seen people say it really means nothing to me uh, because it's all the same scoring. How do you kind of view that situation? Because the position is so deep, no, I don't let it skew my rankings too much. Um, you know, maybe uh, Aaron Rodgers opens up a little bit of room from the pack. Maybe quarterbacks like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers become a little more valuable. Um, and you're running quarterbacks. Uh, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, um, a little less valuable. But the position is so deep this year. 20 quarterbacks, you can let 20 quarterbacks go off the board. And I still think there's multiple options that you'll be just fine with. Andy Dalton, 
Blake Bortles, maybe Eli Manning, uh, maybe Tyrod Taylor. So it would not skew my rankings too much. And again, even in your super flex two quarterback leagues, I would not be scared as long as you have a draft position in the middle of the round. So you don't get caught on the wrong side of a run. I would not be scared of being patient at quarterback this year. All right. Two more quick ones. This a very quick throw in for the awesome minority of people out there who play in auction formats as uh, I think we both discussed both fans of the auction format, but I know it is a minority of the listeners out there, but really quickly for those people, um, just any general tips for how to approach an auction. If maybe it's their first auction or they're not that sure. Oh, I wish, you know, I should, I really should be doing more auction. It's um, the best. It's just better. It it, it really is because you aren't hemmed in by your draft position and know that there are certain players you have a chance to get and players you'll never get. Um, don't let the so you're going to go in with some sort of values. This player's worth ten dollars. This player's worth five dollars, and so on. Don't let that dictate who is on your team. Don't bid on somebody just because your sheet says they're worth ten dollars. Great point. And they're only at seven dollars. You're letting your league. This is just like taking somebody because they fall in a round or two later than ADP in your snake draft. You're letting other people decide who's on your team. The beauty of auction is you get to pick everybody. And the best way I could put it from an overarching strategy standpoint is um, in a snake draft, you have your first round pick, second round pick, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like you get your bankroll, but it's in certain denominations, your first round dollar bill, your second round dollar bill. In an auction, you can divide that up however you want. They call it studs and duds. You know, if you want to have three first round picks. Stars and scrubs. Right. You don't pick again (laughs) until the 10th round. But what you can do is you can look over your draft and you can say, this is where I think the value is. For instance, at wide receiver, you can say, I, I would be fine going into the season with eight wide receivers that are available between the fifth and eighth rounds. Because I feel confident that one uh, out of every two or three are going to hit and be a strong every week play. You can do that. You can have eight wide receivers that all cost between you know 3 and $5. And then you can spend maybe for two of the running backs at 20 or $25 that go in the top four, or however you want to do it. Don't be limited. Don't feel like you have to do anything conventional. Um, and and just have a lot of fun with it. And know that also in auctions, you can have the – in a snake draft, you can have the same 12 people or 10 people do a draft and then shake it up and change the positions. And they may have 50 to 75% the same roster. You can do an auction with the same 10 or 12 people. And auction number one and auction number two, you may have only two or three players in common – and you and they also may have wildly different prices. The same people in one auction may, depending on when players come out, yep. Ezekiel Elliott might go for twenty two dollars in one and thirty one dollars in the next. So one. true. It, it, so you, it's fascinating. It, you got to be in the moment, and you got to know. And I think the best way to do that is having um, true auction values that represent the whole bankroll of the league. And then you'll know in the first 10 players or so whether people are being too tight, which means act and get your studs early, or they're being too loose, which means wait until you get the hammer. And then in the middle of the draft at some point, having the most money will allow you to get values that will just sicken your opponents. That was perfect advice. If you were playing in an auction, listen to what Sigmund said. Go back two minutes, hit the refresh, you know, the 15 seconds back. 
a few times and listen to it again because that is exactly how you should handle an auction. And obviously, there's a lot more detail to it and uh, and whatnot, but it was a really good kind of refresher or, or intro type of thing to, to pay attention to. And again, have your values. And like Sigmund said, don't necessarily be married to the values if it's a guy you don't like. Don't pay for him just because he's a quote-unquote value. And also, if it's a guy you really like, don't be afraid to go 2 or $3 over what your value says based on what the room's doing at the time. So um, I think that was great advice. All right, lastly, before we move on to the segment that everyone cares about inside the mind of Sigmund Bloom, um, a player you have not mentioned today. Let's go with you. You know, We've heard a few guys you really like, the Melvin Gordons and Robin yeah. Gronkowski and a few other, but of, of someone you have not said yet today, who is a fantasy hill you are dying on this season? Well, he needs to get back on the field, but I'm contractually obliga- obligated, because I enjoy saying it so much, to say Kiki QT <laughs> of the Houston Texans. And he's out with a hamstring right now, and I loved Corey Davis at the time last year, and he's not quite on the level of Davis, but I, I think QT's speed is going to translate immediately. Uh, as a slot receiver, he is going to get the best matchups of anybody in the Texans pass offense. Deshaun Watson likes to extend plays and improvise. QT excels in that part of the game. Will Fuller has had a problem staying healthy. Uh, we saw what Will Fuller did in a short stint with Watson, Deshaun Watson last year, who, by all, unlike Carson Wentz, is by all reports just, you know, just pencil in the Deshaun Watson that we saw last year going into this year. So you may not even need to draft QT, although the first game of the season is against the Patriots, which for all we know could end up being, you know, 52-48. Mm-hmm. And as long as QT is on the field, he could be part of that. So that's that's my guy. He, but when you hear hamstring and rookies, sometimes it can cause things to be delayed. Yeah, it's a great point. Remember Will Fuller just busting on the scene. That was obviously before Deshaun Watson, but then people forgot about all, you know, basically we're out on Will Fuller and then Deshaun Watson comes back and all of a sudden Will Fuller's a star again. So before getting hurt. So uh, I'm with you. I think that offense uh, has a lot of fantasy potential. All right. It is time for Inside the Mind of Sigmund Bloom, my favorite time of the show and uh i usually give you a four pack of questions we'll go with a a four pack but they're they're easy they're basically just hey let's see what's been going on with sigmund since he's been gone so so very first easily sigmund how has the time treated you since the last time we all spoke oh excellent you know um uh a wonderful summer um, spent a couple of weeks on the beach, as we talked about before we came on the air. Everyone in the NFL takes a vacation in early July. It's a good idea. It's a great um, idea. It's necessary. Um, it was really fun since last we spoke. Um, the Winter Olympics were fun. The World Cup was exhilarating to watch. I always thoroughly enjoy that as a sports fan. And, um, you know, it's it's good. Uh, I I'm will we'll be married very soon to the love of my life. Mazel. Yes, thank you. And, you know, um, to everybody out there, everything continue to go well. So it's good. Uh, and I get to talk to you and call it work. So uh, it, it's, good. it's good. It's good to be Sigmund Bloom. And I and uh, thanks for asking. Awesome. And uh, let's go with what is the coolest thing that's happened to you since the last time we spoke? Mm. Well, I think that the, I, I've never really been a beat person growing up. Me either, the, for what it's worth. Just it was never t- well, a beach guy. Well, and I, and I think some of it is like the folks come out to North County, San Diego, you know, Encinitas, Del Mar, Solana Beach, and and that's certainly part of what converted me because I think the beach means something a little different in the east than it does in the west. Yes. And 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 this year, 
you know, I got my boogie board. I really got into to playing with the sand and coming up with all these ways of doing wild construction with sand and, and, um, gathering like beach rocks and shells and, and just the sound of the beach, the waves. And I really feel like it got inside of me and I get it. That's awesome. It. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, for those who listened last year, the year before, you know, this, for those who don't, Sigmund and I have very similar uh, interests in pop culture, and we love movies and music and all that stuff, so uh, I like to get some recommendations from Sigmund. So, Sigmund, what is one pop culture, whether it's music, movies, TV, or whatever, something that, since the last time we spoke, has been in your life and you'd let to let people, like to let people know about it? Yeah. Actually, I'll give you one that I just discovered. Uh, musically, uh, there's so much incredible music going on, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of great shows I'm looking forward to this fall. Um, but outside of that, there's an artist, His he goes by a few names. The latest album is called Ensley, and his name is Pink Sifu, S-I-I-F-U. And um, the only way I could describe him is something like mashing up Frank Ocean, Andre 3000, and Tupac. <laughs> wow. Um, That's a hell of a mashup. Really personal, really intense music, but so fluid, so chill. Um, it's it's the fav- my favorite thing I've heard in a while. There's also a great album out um, called The Midnight Hour. Adrian Young produced with all kinds of musicians. Questlove does some things on it. Letitia Sadler, the vocalist from Stereolab, and all—it's—it's it's really fantastic. Um, it harkens back to maybe some of the old Quincy Jones albums, you know. Oh yeah, uh, it's r- really, really excellent. Ah. So those are two things that have been just like he- high in my consciousness, and uh, just wavelengths that I love being on right now. That is awesome. I can't wait to check them out. And uh, again, for anyone who's tuning in this year, you will get more awesome awesome recommendations from Sigmund and you'll hear a lot of pop culture talk when we do the inside the mind. All right, Sigmund final question for this week. Um, and obviously we'll take fantasy off the board cause you know, it's what we do, but, uh, with football returning, what is the thing you're most excited about? I, I'll circle back around to what we we're talking about. Just the people, you know, I, I'm very lucky that I get to think about football and talk about football and watch football as a center of what I do for a job. And I know a lot of you out there are doing something much more essential to the functioning of society. I hope that there's an essential need to helping people blow off steam or relax or giving them a, a shelter. But part of that is renewing all these acquaintances and it, um, the radio spots I do every week, uh, including the spot with you, all of the wonderful staff at Football Guys, people I'm very close to, people that I love, um, football Twitter, and just the little moments we have where we can tickle each other, um, even the, the, the football world, you know, some of the little things that happen that are just unexpected little wrinkles. Um, it, it's just the way the calendar moves during football season, it's just so comforting. It, it, it's something like... Um, back in the agricultural days, like it was planting time, it was harvest time. You know, you could look up at the stars or look at where the sun or moon was rising and, and feel like you know your place in the world. And that's how I feel during football season. Man, that was, that was such a great answer. And uh, I, I totally agree with you. And it just got me so excited that I get to talk to you about this stuff every single week this season. So uh, Sigmund, man, thank you so much. And uh, I can't wait for the season. Can't wait.
Can't wait indeed segment, and I will be back next week with more draft prep. Get you ready for uh, for the biggest draft weekends of the year coming up, of course, and um, and just uh, we will shoot the shit again next week as we love to do so. Uh, again, thank you for listening to The Return, episode one of This Week in Fantasy. We'll be back next week with a whole lot more fantasy goodness for you leading up to drafts and auctions and all that good stuff. For anyone drafting now, uh, good luck. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out on Twitter at James Seltzer at Stephen Bloom. Otherwise, we'll be back next week uh, with a lot more draft prep. Dive into a whole lot more. So again, thank you for listening to the return edition of This Week in Fantasy. Podcast. A radio.com podcast.